Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and as always, I'm very glad that you've decided to join us to talk about things that are important to you, that are important to your landscape, your home. After all, it is the landscape that uh, does many things for us. The landscape, though, is the pretty stuff. It makes it dresses up your home, dresses up your house, and it also provides things for us other than a place to relax and enjoy nature, flowers, blossoms. It also can be a productive place if you're into growing your own vegetables and herbs and fruits and all those wonderful things that help to nourish our bodies. It helps to not just feed our soul, but our landscapes help us to feed our bellies. So, of course... Last week, we were talking about uh, you got a new house and you need a new landscape. New house, new landscape. These are going to be uh, four steps to getting going in a new place. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a new place. Maybe you've lived in your house for decades and you just realize, I need something different, something new. Well, I'm here to help you uh, figure out appropriate steps to take in doing that so that you will be more successful at the end by maybe preparing before the beginning and I would like to start out by apologizing that (laughs) I didn't really plan this out very well because of course today is the last Saturday of the month and on the last Saturday of the month we always go to the mailbox the inbox the mailbag and we answer your questions now this is sort of a question because we have had have had many people ask me hey, I have just moved into my into a new house a new place uh, and I want to make the landscape of my dreams if you will I want to do things and I just don't know where to start and then there's people who ask us hey we've had the same landscape for 30 years we want a new a new landscape it's not necessarily a new house but we do want it to feel like a new house with a new landscape. And so I do feel like this is a question. But we do have your questions, and we will be answering them next week. I'm just sorry that uh, I didn't plan this out very well. But that's okay, because uh, we will be helping you, especially if you are in this position where you want to do something new this year. Maybe you do have a new house. Maybe you just want the new landscape. So last week we started talking about um, the first two steps. The, the very first step with really any project you may be doing in the landscape, if you find a corner of your property or maybe somewhere in the backyard or the front yard, when you're looking at these, play, these sites, the very first thing we need to do is to assess them. So assess your landscape, assess your planting area. And of course, you'll be asking yourselves questions like what plants are already there? If it's just a weedy mess, may not be too important, but what if there are important trees or important shrubs that you do want to maintain and keep uh, as part of this new planting? So, of course, um, you may also ask, 
are the existing plants you find there, are they in a wise place? Are those plants, do they seem to be doing well? If they don't seem to be doing well, perhaps they're in the wrong situation. Maybe it's too shady. Maybe it's too sunny. Maybe the soil stays too moist. And then you do want to figure out, are there other features to look at in your landscape? And of course, we talked about determining where the sun rises. Determine the north side of your house. Determine the east side of your house, which is where the sun rises. Determine the southern side of your house. And determine the western side of your house, which is where the sun will set. The south and the west are going to be areas that are intense with sun. So once you've determined these areas, uh, as far as the cardinal directions go, you also want to look down at the soil itself. Examine the soil. Do some soil tests. We talked about doing a percolation test and a soil texture test. And of course, if you missed any part of last week's program, you can find all those details online and the show in its entirety at NewSouthernGarden.com and your favorite podcasting app on your smart device, your smartphone, your tablets. Uh, or you can just check out the webpage, NewSouthernGarden.com. And then the second step is to, other than assessing your site, you want to make sure you are determining what are your goals and your dreams. Now, of course, these two uh, steps are sort of interchangeable. You may already have some of your ideas in mind, but be sure to write them down. Think of the features that you want to have in your landscape. Do you need walls, paths, patios, decks? Those would be hardscapes. And if you do, then you need to consider those really need to be done and installed first before you start bringing plants in because the construction process itself is going to damage plants. You're going to have people walk on them, dig near them. So get the hardscapes, the patios, the pathways, walls built first. Maybe some areas you'll need will be for recreation, maybe some entertaining areas like fire pits or dining areas. And I was encouraging you last week to think garden rooms. Try to create distinct garden rooms, areas. It doesn't mean that you have four walls. You don't have to have hedges in these rooms. But perhaps, whether your landscape is big or small, you are subdividing these sections. It's very nice to have these rooms from the design perspective, but it's also nice from the maintenance perspective because then you can concentrate on a certain garden room one week and move to another room the next rather than looking at a big, wide, open landscape and thinking, oh, I've got to pull weeds everywhere. I've got to fertilize everywhere. i got to mulch everywhere. And you can use these garden rooms to schedule out the kind of work that you'll be doing in your landscape. And a good way to connect those garden rooms are with things like arbors and pergolas. They're sort of, uh, you know, arbors, pergolas, trellises, I should add. These are sort of doorways, entryways. They, They are distinct entryways. Of course, they're part of the hardscaping. But then, of course, you can start to think about the plants themselves. What specific plants do you need? Do you need plants that are going to be good screens and hedges to hide those pesky neighbors? Uh, do you need trees that may provide a little bit of shade, uh, make things cooler on the hot side of the house? Do you need evergreen shrubs? Do you want pollinator plants? Do you need a vegetable garden? So all these things are things that you are determining as far as your goals and dreams go. Now, that's a quick summary. So if, uh, like I said before, if you do want to hear more of those steps in detail, feel free to log on to NewSouthernGarden.com or check out the New Southern Garden podcast on your favorite podcasting app. So step three leads us to actually getting into the process of developing this landscape. We've done all the assessment. We've written down our goals. Now we need to start doing some work on making some plans. So the third step is to determine all uh, to determine where all these features will go. This is essentially designing. 
So we will be talking about designing our landscape. We won't go into so many details on the specifics because we have talked about um, landscape design on previous episodes that you can find on the website. But when it comes to to the design of a landscape, there's many routes to go. First of all, you can do it yourself. Do you have to be a good artist? Do you have to be able to draw very well? No. You don't have to be a good artist. Now, the, the concept here, of course, is that you are essentially creating a concept. The idea is you're creating just a concept. You're creating sort of a guideline for yourself. Does it have to be a picture that you've drawn? Not necessarily. It could be a list of things. It could be, well, we're going to put a hedge on the western uh, property line and we're going to put some screens to to hide things from our our neighbors. And then on the backside of the house, we want to add a fire pit. It is a good idea, especially if you are going to be working with other people, maybe landscapers or construction crews to build certain things. It's, It's a very good idea to have a drawing and to be able to visually represent what it is you want. Uh, you can talk about it with a, um, a, a potential uh, contractor. You can talk about it to them. They can come out and give you a quote and all that. Um, but I do find that if you at least have the shape of things on paper, you're one step closer to them doing the job right. Because I have heard horror stories of people who didn't really have some details. Uh, it was all very, uh, very broad as far as what the contractor was supposed to do. And then when the job was finished, the clients weren't really happy. Now, they still had to pay them, uh, but they weren't very happy. They probably weren't happy about having to pay them either. You're buying something that you weren't expecting. So maybe you do go to a landscape designer. Of course, that in itself is a product. It's a service. Uh, The landscape designer should come out with you and consult with you, talk to you about things that you want, things you need in your landscape, uh, areas that you use for certain purposes and of course they may talk about certain plants you like if you like you say I love hydrangeas I need a bunch of hydrangeas let them know these things so already from step two by determining your goals and dreams you should have a good list of things that you uh, are can hand over to somebody who you may be contracting work out to Um, before the end of the show last week, I was uh, encouraging you to pull out the plat or the blueprint, if you will, of your house. Um, if you have the property line, you usually find that on your plat, the shape of your property, where the property starts, where the property ends. Um, if you have this, then you can do a broad sketch on top of that. Just simply pull a pencil out and start circling areas or start diagramming uh, squares and triangles. Use, use different tools like that to, to make sense of your landscape. And of course, you can put notes on there like the sun uh, comes up in the morning over here and it sets on the page on this opposite side. So that is going to be a helpful thing just for you, but then maybe more importantly, if you will be using a landscaper or some kind of construction people to do some of this work, then that is a simple drawing that you can make. And does it have to be pretty? Does It's not a piece of art. It's not going to be the Mona Lisa. It is just a concept. I like to reiterate this to folks whenever we're uh, talking to people about designing their landscape, you know. This is not the Bible. You know, what you're coming up with can be changed. Um, You may have some ideas in a certain area of your landscape, and when the work gets going, maybe 
you realize, oh, we can't do that there for one reason or another. Um, a If you are working with a landscaper, uh, before they start any work, which I know we're not to that phase yet, but they should, uh, before they start digging, they should have your utility lines marked. And if they don't, you need to. Uh, probably a week or two before the project starts, you should do that. But I would encourage you to go ahead today and call your 811, dial 811, and let them come out and mark your lines. Because that is a big thing. You can do a wonderful job, a mashup of a plan, just a wonderful thing. And then when you realize, oh, I have sewage running this way, I have water running that way, I have uh, electrical lines underneath where the shade tree was going to go, that's not going to work. So being sure that at this phase, while you're designing your landscape, make sure, that's really the assessing part, I guess, but it just came to mind that making sure you know where your utility lines are and how they enter your house and on what side of the house, because you really aren't going to be planting on top of those, um, and probably not within several feet of them. So of course, you could also, other than going maybe to a landscape designer, you could go to a local plant nursery. Of course, you can find me throughout the week at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, and, and we do this day in and day out, uh, particularly in the spring when people are thinking about their landscapes. But people will come in um, and they'll say, I need help figuring out this bed and what to put into it. Well, it is we can do that um, just by talking and looking at plants, but it's m- even better if you're going to a local nursery to get some help to have some photos of your site, um, also the notes that you've made, knowing how many hours of sun a site gets, what the soil is like in a certain area. These are all things that are going to be very helpful at selecting plants and sort of doing this design work uh, if you're working with uh, some nursery person, uh, somebody who grows the plants and sells them. I find that most of our local nurseries here in Georgia, uh, they're very helpful people, and they would be glad to do that. Now, you may need to set up an appointment or something, depending on the time of year. You can probably imagine that in the springtime, when most people are doing this kind of thing, it's on their mind, uh, you can probably imagine how busy a landscape nursery is. But if you do plan to get your local landscape nursery involved on your project, be sure to take those materials with you. Photos, a sketch of the bed, the dimensions of the bed, those are going to be very helpful tools. So again, in this third, I know we're coming up on a break, but in this third step, determining where all these features will go, we're just trying to be more specific about placing all those dreams and ideas we had, actually placing them in the landscape and how we're going to let these things and the plants all work together to build the most beautiful landscape of our dreams. When we get back, more on how to design your new landscape. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone. So get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. 
So gang, today on New Southern Garden, we are continuing our discussion on a new house, a new landscape. It's, I think it's a great topic to talk about here at the top of the year, because of course, uh, at the beginning of the year, we started talking about how do you, how do, how do we manage, how do we deal with all of the dreams and the hopes and the ideas we have for our landscape. Of course, our landscape can provide us with so much beauty and um, uh, a sense of place. Uh, it can provide us with the fresh fruits and vegetables like we've talked about. But the idea, of course, today is that maybe, and I've had many people come to us, whether it's at the nursery or through uh, New Southern Garden, but many people come and say, you know, I have a new house. What do I do? I don't know. Maybe it's the first time you've owned a house. You, you want that landscape to look good. You finally got uh, the house of your dreams. Now let's make it feel like the house of your dreams and included into the surrounding uh, area that the house is in. So, of course, we've talked about step one and step two last week, and we are talking about step three of this process of getting into a new landscape or maybe just refurbishing, if you will, an old landscape. So the, the main goal here uh, in step three is to determine where all the features that you want, all the, all the plants, all the... Uh, all the hardscapes, if you need pathways, if you need borders uh, filled with lush, beautiful plants, whether they're shrubs and perennials or trees, this is the design phase. This is actually getting your ideas into a logical order and uh, in, in an order that is going to be pleasing to, to not just look at, but actually walk through and experience. So many people will, of course, uh, seek out the help of a landscape designer. Uh, some kind of planner, uh, or maybe go to their local plant nursery and get some ideas. You know, doing it yourself, DIYing your landscape is completely appropriate. It's a wonderful thing to do because if the more you do in your landscape, the more you're out there, um, the more you appreciate it, the more you love it. And that's the big goal here, right, is for us to actually relish and enjoy the landscape that we are living in. Uh, it's just like with any relationship. You know, the more time you spend with people, uh, with a certain person, then the more you get to know them and, and the more compassion and care you have. So the more time you spend outside in your landscape and working it yourself, the, more, the closer you are to it. Isn't that sweet? But, of course, we may need some help from time to time. And there are folks who can do that. But if you do plan to take this on yourself, of course, you don't have to be an artist. You don't have to be able to draw a masterpiece. But you can get started by sketching things out on paper, maybe uh, sketching ideas out over the top of your property's plat. Um, and then, of course, there are some programs. Uh, there are some some online tools you can use to maybe just drag and drop things on top of pictures. Um, there's one that I use for sort of mocking up landscapes. It's called Garden Puzzle. Um, I'm not sure if it's available on Windows, but I use it on uh, Mac. Um, a MacBook, and anyhow, this garden puzzle lets you import a photo of your space. So maybe you take a picture of the front of your house, and you bring the picture into the program, and then it has in the program um, design elements. So uh, yes, there's plenty of plants to choose from, and there are plenty of hardscape items like pergolas and pathways, bricks and whatnot. Um, but if you just want to see a visual representation or maybe you say, hey, these are the plants I want to use. I want to put a picture up and then show it to a, a landscaper. Uh, these, no matter how you decide to do design your landscape, then um, you, will, you will have a concept, but also others will be able to follow along with your dreams. 
Um, so an, another way to design your landscape, and I do this quite frequently. Um, maybe at first it's kind of, uh, uh, it kind of makes you a, a little weary, like, am I doing things right? But I find that it's very helpful once you get into it and play around. And that way is to go into the landscape with some string and stakes and maybe spray paint. Uh, you can use any materials. You've got line around that it will help you draw lines. Um, because if you get a can of spray paint or string or a garden hose, if you stretch out the garden hose in the area you plan to put some plants in, or maybe install a new bed or a new border, then you can shape that border, that bed, with the garden hose, using the hose as your bed line, and then come in with spray paint and, and spray that line. So when you come to plant that area and prepare it for planting, you, you have something that you can follow. And you don't necessarily have to translate that from a piece of paper into your landscape. Of course, string and stake come in handy. I do that quite often. If I need a straight line, I'll put two stakes where I need the beginning of the line to start and the end of the line to start and run a string between the two lines. And then I'll usually spray paint that line so I can remove, remove the string whenever I'm actually moving around. It's not tying me up and tangling me up when I'm working in the space. So I would call that like designing in place, you know, designing in place. You may use some empty pots or something you have laying around to space your plants that you plan to put there. Um, but of course, that's sort of if you already have your materials, I suppose. You kind of, if you're going to be uh, drawing with a, a line, it eventually fades uh, with spray paint and of course pots lay it out in the front yard don't look good for very long so uh, the idea there is that you don't have to necessarily draw in order to to do this kind of stuff so while you're placing things in I do want to reiterate one point uh, while you're thinking where do I want to put my roses I really want roses well roses need you know kind of general gardening soil uh, they don't need wet feet by any means so if you have a wet site don't put it there um, but roses would need a lot of sun so you may draw your roses in or plan to plant your roses on the southern or western side of your house and if you need things like hydrangeas and ferns and hostas that like a little bit of shade you may plan to draw them in or sketch them in on the uh, north or eastern side so when it comes down to the plants, you know, knowing on your plan or in your, uh, your idea bank there, where your sun is moving is going to really dictate where you're going to be planting things. Uh, other than, than the plants, you know, the hardscapes, you, you got those areas already uh, sketched into your plat or onto your, your drawing. And so you'll know, you know, we need the fire pit um, in the backyard probably because nobody wants to be around a fire pit right on the side of the road. So we go into the backyard, which is more intimate of a space anyways, and maybe that fire pit is a few feet away from the back deck or the patio. That way you're not having to travel uh, feet after feet after feet to go just enjoy the evening around a fire or something like that. So again, this is the stage where we're actually taking all the ideas we have and taking all the assessments that we have made and we are merging them together. Um, knowing the site is important. Knowing what you want to do is important. Uh, but then the third thing, of course, would be knowing how these things interact with each other. So again, um, knowing that roses need the sun. 
we can really only put them on the side of the house where we get the most sun. Knowing that if we're doing a fire pit, that it needs to be within walking distance of the back door. You know, it it doesn't need to be a long journey unless... uh, that's the kind of experience you want. Uh, so knowing how these all the all these things relate to each other is just as important as knowing all of the small elements themselves. Now, just a few more notes on design. When it comes to design, I always encourage people to remember three things. Whether this is plant material or whether this is perhaps hardscapes or how hardscapes and plant material work together. Um There are three critical factors that I have boiled plant design down to. If you want the most impact and impression when it comes to a planting or a border full of plants, the big three are going to be color, texture, and form. Color, of course, uh, the basic color in the landscape is green. But then we have yellows and purples. And then when you get into the flowers, you have oranges and reds and all kinds of colors. So using color in a clever way, contrasting those colors. So bright colors are right beside um, dark colors is really impressive. And then, of course, whenever we get into the form of plants, that is the shape of plants. Are are, are the plants you're growing round and globe-shaped? Are they narrow and skinny and tall? Are they pyramidal shaped, you know, like a cone? Putting different forms together right beside each other is very important. And then the last thing is texture. Making sure that you have plants with big leaves, that's a coarse texture, and plants with little leaves, that's a fine texture. Anytime you can contrast the color, the shape, or the form of something, your landscape's going to look great. Well, when we get back, gang, the last step on putting in a new landscape at your new house. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. So, gang, today on New Southern Garden, we are talking about take, uh, the, taking the steps to installing a new landscape or getting your, your new landscape going. Now, of course, uh, I have referenced the fact that, uh, you know, if you get into a new house, if you get into a new house, a new home, you look around and you think, yeah, it's a beautiful house, but something just ain't right. Something's missing. Maybe it's the landscape. I think last week I shared shared with you that story of a client early on when I had graduated from horticulture school, and she had me come out to help her with the landscape because she said, you know, I've worked my entire working life to build this beautiful home. This is a home of my dreams, but when it was done, I looked around and I thought, this is not right, and it's, she said it hit her. She said, it's not right. It doesn't look right because there weren't really any plants. There were no plants, and, and the landscape was just, you know piecemealed maybe just a little bit here a little bit there and so we worked to um build this beautiful place i remember her her driveway was a had a had a circular 
when you got to the house, there was a circular drive. And so in the middle of that circle was a huge planting bed where we could put some beautiful trees. I think she wanted crepe myrtles, if I remember right. And then underneath the crepe myrtles were azaleas, like the encore, reblooming azaleas, and their roses, and all those, those wonderful things. And, you know, it's... It's after that stage, it's after the landscaping is done that, you know, that house really starts to feel more like a home. Because plants, and I've shared with you this from time to time, plants help us create a sense of place, like we are somewhere. I think it was last week, too, that I mentioned, using all my same analogies, sorry about that, but Disney World wouldn't be as impressive if there weren't plants in between all those exhibits and rides and features, you know. I'm not saying our homes are Disney World, but that just shows you how important they are, that even this huge man-made complex wouldn't be the same if it wasn't for plants. But it's not all about the plants, is it? There's a lot of different things that we'll be putting into our our landscape, and that kind of leads us into the last and final phase of putting in your new landscape or rehabilitating your old landscape. And that is installing the landscape, actually doing the work, getting the planting done, getting all those construction projects done, et cetera, et cetera. So before we get into the details of that, I do want to remind you that uh, you can also find, other than finding New Southern Garden online at NewSouthernGarden.com and, of course, on Facebook and Instagram, we now have a presence, and I am committing myself to making sure that I am posting videos on YouTube. Just search for New Southern Garden on YouTube and be sure to subscribe to the channel there because every week we are releasing one or two videos uh, on different topics. And a lot of these things are things that I'm doing in my landscape. A lot of the things that I'm talking to you about on this program, I am now showing you in video form. Uh, So for instance, just last week, uh, we talked about planting garlic a beginner's guide, a quick beginner's guide to planting garlic in your raised beds. Uh, even though it was a little late to the party, I'd talk about that. I'm still going to try to grow garlic, even though it's the middle of winter. Of course, it's been cold, but it's also been quite warm. <laughs> you know, This is just uh, gardening in the south for you. We can do a lot of things. And so all winter long, we will have plenty of topics to show you uh, on YouTube. Of, we've talked about, oh, I, I really did enjoy making this film about how I keep an endless supply of green onions in my landscape. And for free, once you get started, once you find the onion, whether you're growing it from seed or whether you are uh, doing it like I do it on the, the video, you'll have to watch on YouTube for that. But it's a green onion, so you that they clump and you can divide them. And I show you how to go. It's very simple and easy. Uh, and I talk about um, on another video how to, how to propagate plants from hardwood cuttings, which... If you're propagating plants from hardwood cuttings, you are doing that kind of work now. It's very timely. So if you want to expand the number of hydrangeas in your landscape or the number of roses or uh, what's some other good ones, mock orange, which not many people have that, but uh, there are plenty of plants that you can propagate from the stems that you can go cut on your plants. And uh, I show you how to treat them and prepare them to get going and get roots growing. So be sure to check us out on YouTube. Uh, Be sure to subscribe there so that you'll know and you'll get a notification whenever we do post a new video. And of course, be sure to comment if, if you like what you see there or if you want to see something different. I know that um, when I was doing one of the raised bed videos, um, there was a comment 
from a viewer who said, I really like the way your raised beds are built. I'd love to see a video on how to, how, to, how you made your raised beds. So that's in the works and I, because I have plenty of raised beds to be made. So I'll just be videoing me doing that pretty soon and we'll have that to show you how I, it's very simple. It's a very simple raised bed. I've, it's nothing glorious, but I'm glad that that viewer uh, was interested in that. So be sure to check out New Southern Garden on YouTube. Um, since we will be answering your questions next week, I just want to remind you that you can go ahead and send us. We already got a great group of questions to bring to the program. Uh, very timely stuff, and I think you'll find that next week was going to be a great show. But uh, if you want to be a part of that, be sure to check us out at NewSouthernGarden.com. Go to the Contact Us page, and then lastly, you can send us questions via uh, Facebook and Instagram. Just be sure to like us and follow us so we can keep in touch. Uh, that sounded like a commercial. I'm sorry. But anyhow, I just want to make sure that you are getting all the information that you need. So the last and final step, of course, of building the garden of your dreams this year in 2024, if you have a new house or an old house, but you want a new landscape, is to install it. After you have designed things out and you have figured out where they're going to go, then you can start unworking them in. Now, you may want to reference uh, the the first show of this year where we talked about prioritizing the duties because, of course, if you are working on an entire landscape and maybe your time doesn't allow you if you're doing it yourself, maybe uh, budget does not allow you to do it all at once, I do give you some good uh, maybe ways to prioritize what's most important and what you need to maybe focus on uh, first. So when it comes to installing, regardless of how big of the area you're going to be installing, whether you're going to be installing from the street to the back property line, from the left property line to the right, if you're going to do it all at once, or whether you are going to do the individual garden areas, individual garden rooms in a certain order, within an area that you're working on, the very first thing you need to do is get all of those construction projects out of the way. Maybe you will be installing a pathway. That needs, really, needs to be done first, especially since you're being proactive and planning this out. If you are building a patio, if you are building an arbor, if you are building anything, be sure that those duties get done first. And I'll tell you why. Because I have seen too many times where the planting was done first and then we decided, let's do some kind of construction. And maybe it's a construction that you'll need help with. Let me tell you this. You love your plants. But the people who you contract with to build things for you don't have nearly the affinity for them that you have. <laughs> and they will be crushing them. They will be stepping on them. They will be breaking branches. They may be digging into the root systems. So if you do have some, now, and I know things happen along the way, and you d decide, yeah, we need something built. Well, maybe just be as careful as we can with the surrounding landscape. But if you're at that stage where it's a new house or an empty place or you're ripping out a lot of stuff and you want to build something, do that first. If someone is cutting lumber, if someone is banging a hammer, if someone is painting, if someone is doing any of those construction-type things, with plants surrounding that area, you will have those broken branches. You'll have paint splatters all over the leaves. <laughs> now, of course, that's not going to kill a plant, but you are going to have to do some things to kind of bring it back to a, uh, an aesthetic look, you know. So be sure to do construction first and then plant later. Another thing that I do before I start planting, 
I didn't always do this, but I found that it helps me, is if I'm working on a small area or just one section of the landscape and I'm installing a new planting bed, then I will draw those bed lines out and form the planting beds first. Now, I will go the extra step and form the beds, prepare the beds, and mulch the beds before I even start digging the holes. Now, I find that this process is, be, is made me a bit more efficient in doing new things in the landscape. And I'll kind of walk you through that process. I mentioned earlier that I've started to use string or garden hose to lay out the edge of a bed exactly how I want that bed to look and how it fits in the space. And then I'll use a can of spray paint and draw a line so I can remove the hose or remove the string and start digging. And along the edge of that new bed, I will cut the edges in. So what I do is that I will, essentially, we're trying to separate the bed from maybe the surrounding turf grass area. If you're putting an island in or maybe a bed along the line, uh, the length of the house, you surely have some kind of turf grass there, most likely. And we don't want the turf grass to be a part of the bed. We want to try to separate it as much as possible. Now, I'm not talking about edging with stone or uh, those plastic edgers or block edgers. I'm talking about literally um, separating the soil uh, at the edge of the bed from the turf grass. So I will use a shovel or a spade, and I will take my spade at a about 45-degree angle and push it into the bed into the soil on the edge of the bed, and then flip that soil over into the bed. So that does two things. Of course, that defines the edge of the bed, and it keeps the turf grass from trying to grow in there. Now, it still takes maintenance. You still have things that creep in. But I have found that if I dig just maybe about four inches of soil um, along the edge of the bed, all the way around the perimeter of a bed, and then flip it into the bed. I can use that soil to bulk up my planting bed, and I have sort of this little ditch, if you will, um, a, a little berm around the edge of the bed that kind of keeps the bed physically separated from the turf grass areas. I find that this is, has been helpful in the long run because we don't have uh, Bermuda, most of our lawn is just a mix of things, but in some of the recreational areas where our, we would say is our backyard, remember we have several acres, so uh, this is just the areas where the, the main gardens are, um, we do have the zoysia, and it's a creeper. It's like Bermuda in that it creeps and crawls, and it surely will come into that bed eventually, but by separating the turf grass soil from the planting bed soil, we create that little ridge, little berm area that kind of keeps them at bay. And then I will, once I've edged all the way around that bed, whatever shape or size it is, I'll start bringing in my mulch and lay my mulch on top of the bed. Uh, many, many times before I plant and mulch, I am tilling the bed. I am softening the soil. If those kinds of plants would benefit from that, which all plants benefit from soft soil, especially newly planted ones. Um, but then I'm putting that mulch on whether I'm going to plant that month or maybe the next season, because that mulch is going to help keep weeds out of that newly formed bed. By adding, you know, two inches of organic matter, whether it's wood chips or pine straw or whatever kind of material you like to use, 
by putting the mulch down first, you are able to get your garden starting to form. But if you're not quite ready to plant, well, don't worry, because that mulch literally has your back. That mulch is going to keep things from getting out of hand before you can plant. And then when I do plant, when I do plant, I just rake that mulch back, dig my hole, a super wide hole, and plant, and then rake the mulch back around the base of the plant. I found that that process works very simply, very easy, and it's a good method, especially if I'm just trying to form beds and then worry about the plants I want to add to later. That mulch has got my back, and that mulch can have your back too. So hang on tight, gang. We'll be right back for more after this break. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. Well, gang, we are in the final stretch of today's program. This is the last segment of today, and we've made it through all four stages or phases or steps of how to get a new landscape up and going. At least these are the steps and the order that I would take them in. Of course, the first step is to, in summary... The first step is to assess your new landscape or assess your old landscape if you're working working in a landscape that you've owned for many years. But assess them. Assess that site. Look at what's going on and what problems you may have to battle, the sun conditions, the shade conditions, the soil conditions, things like that. Then, of of course, um, step two would be to determine your goals and your dreams. What are your goals? What are your dreams for that site? What are the things you want? What are things you need? What types of plants you're thinking of using? And then the third step is to determine where all those features and plants will go. That is simply the design phase. You don't necessarily have to hire a expensive landscape designer. You can do these things yourself. You may want to uh, listen to some of the old shows on uh, garden design at newsoutherngarden.com and of course look at other resources for um, what makes sense for your space maybe going through Instagram and Pinterest those are great places where you can just type in uh, what what is what are what are some other people done in the shade garden get some ideas for that I'll never forget my mother uh, found one of my magazines and she had a site at her house and uh, on the cover of the magazine she said I want our entryway which was kind of in the shade to look just like this (laughs) and that gave her some ideas and inspiration and it very well can do the same for you magazines are also a great place to go there's plenty of gardening magazines uh, from horticulture to uh, garden gate southern living it's not just gardening but there are some gardening articles for sure and then of course um i think this is a really nice publication it's called gardens illustrated and it's not printed in america it comes from 
Oh, our cousins over the Atlantic Ocean in, in Great Britain, uh, but still has super inspiring pictures of landscapes. So uh, looking at that, you can do these things yourself. You can, uh, whether you use paper or whether just go out into your landscape and draw things and sketch things with spray paint. You know, spray paint uh, doesn't last forever. Uh, you'll be marking up the place, but at least you'll know what you're putting and where things will be going. And then the last step, step, of course, is once you have your plan, your concept. Remember, the concept is not the Bible. It can be changed. It's not a dictionary. It, you can change your concept as you go along. But once you have that, then the last step is to install it. We talked about making sure that we construct our hardscapes first. Anything that needs to be built or constructed in a given area needs to go before we plant. And then, of course, I talked to you about how I take what may be on my paper or my sketch and literally translate that and transpose it, if you will, into reality, into the garden itself and how I form my beds and prepare my beds before I even start worrying about putting plants in the ground. So this this uh, last week and this week is not really um, a how-to on how to design or how to plant, um, but it is definitely a guide, I hope, on the process of how to go through a process of installing a new landscape. But before we um, wrap up on the installing part, I, I do want to do a how-to as a reminder, because we've talked about this plenty of times before, but when you are installing a plant or a bed full of plants, of course, I mentioned using a tiller in that bed and softening the soil, and that takes a lot of the digging process out. But not many people, not everybody has a tiller or access to it. You can rent them, of course, at uh, local places in your area, um, but maybe maybe you can't operate one, and that's just fine. You can plant with just a shovel. You can plant with just those old-fashioned digging utensils. And that process looks like this. Um, in order to dig a, the best hole that you could for a new plant, it's a simple three-step process. First of all, we want to make sure that we are digging a wide hole. A very wide hole. The hole should be at least two to three times the width of the root ball. So let's do some math. If our root ball is, say, 10 inches, then our hole should be at least 20 or 30 inches wide. Now, this is the recommendation that comes from the University of Georgia uh, based on horticultural research. Uh, the idea is that you do want to when you're installing a plant, you, you're going to have to uh, turn the soil over. And the best thing is to give the plants plenty of wiggle room, plenty of area that they can tap into and get their roots growing. So a wide hole is very important. Now, the beauty is uh, the second step. The second step, I think this is beautiful. You're not digging a very deep hole. You're only digging a hole that is as deep as the root ball. You do not want to dig a hole that is deeper than the root ball. You see, roots are meant to grow underground, but stems and leaves, for the most part, grow above ground. Now, there are cases where some plants have these underground stems, but we're not worried about those. They do what they do naturally. So if you're planting a tree, for instance, you do not want to bury any of the stem. Um, if you're buying plants from a nursery that knows what they're doing, then they are putting plants in pots at the right level. And so you just need to line up the top of the root ball with the top of the soil. And 
you don't even have to dig it that deep. That's right. You don't have to dig it that deep. You can leave maybe two, three, four inches of the root ball exposed above ground. And when you are backfilling, when you are bringing soil back around, just mound that soil up to the top of the root ball. Remember, you will have a hole that is two to three times as wide. So there'll be plenty of soft soil to create these little mounds. Now, folks, when I plant things, whether it's a shrub or perennial, I tell you right now, I don't plant them deep. I plant them wide, yes, but I plant them maybe an inch or two above the soil line and mound them up. Now, this is a term. There is a term for this in horticulture. It's called planting proud, and the word proud means above, right, or higher than. So, of course, we are literally planting higher than the soil line, and modern horticultural research encourages this. It it not just encourages, but it actually sees that plants can benefit from this, particularly in our clay soils, because clay tends to be water holding. It tends to hold on to a lot of water. And of course, by planting a little higher, your roots won't be forced into wet soil. Then the last step, once you've got your whole width and your whole depth, the last step is to soften the soil that you pulled out of the hole as soft as you can. And that sort of confuses people. What is soft soil? Well, soft soil is soil that has been uh, tilled up and cultivated so that no clods of soil exist that are bigger than three inches. Uh, sorry, one inch. You want everything that goes back into that hole to be one inch in diameter or less. And that is a super soft soil. So soften your soil. Fill back around your root ball, and of course, if you planted proud, you kind of mound up around the top of that root ball, and then you can mulch, water in, fertilize at the appropriate time, and that is going to be the best hole that you've ever dug, and your plants are going to appreciate you for it. They are going to love the fact that you have given them a wide hole that's not too deep, but has plenty of soft soil. So gang, that's a little bit of details on how to plant, but I hope that this whole series from last week to this week has really helped and encouraged you to get out there and start growing a new landscape. If you follow these four simple stages, you will have thought through most everything. Problems come around, but I know that you'll be able to handle them. So for New Southern Garden and WRWH 93.9 FM, my name is Nathan Wilson. I hope you stay well and grow well. We'll see you next week, gang. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.